Hello, Annie Trenders. Welcome to the Girl Taku, hosted by the ladies of Anime Trending. We are back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie, and I am joined by... Hello, I'm Isabel, and... This is Agnes. So without further ado, the Girl Taku today will be about anime aesthetics, namely anime that just fits right into our sweet spots into the aesthetics. When we are looking at aesthetics, we are looking as the whole package. So not just the sceneries and the backgrounds, but also the character design and the overall feel of the overall artistic feel to be more accurate in regards to the anime itself. So for example, one anime aesthetic that like has really jumped up out to me that I just fell head over heels in love with, which is kind of funny because the picks I have today are actually fairly recent anime, but a great pretender is definitely one that just fit really squarely into yeah yeah like I I don't even know what's the proper way to describe it because it's like it's kind of like a watercolor art blend with our usual like you know anime character design style and anime art style but it's also too bright to just be watercolor you know but something about the artistic way and like a uniqueness to not only its backgrounds, but also to its characters and the way that they blend together and how the colors just pop off the screen in a, in a way that I have never really seen anime pop off the screen before. And I definitely think like, you know, we've made our critiques about Great Pretender in official reviews and we've talked about it privately in our group chats and all that stuff. But I think that is the one thing of Great Pretender that is just it's too hard to argue with in regards to it being so ridiculously beautiful and unique and aesthetic. Of course, sometimes, you know, a lot or actually most of the times aesthetics is about personal taste. So I do know for a fact that some people out there didn't click well with that particular art style. But I personally just really, really loved it. And I just think it's just every single shot the anime has, whether it's panning or the characters are moving and you see famous location shots or, you know, the characters doing just crazy stuff or the character designs itself. Something about it is so artistically wacky, but beautiful at the same time. And I just absolutely adore Great Pretender's um, aesthetic. But I know both of you two have seen it. So what? how did you guys feel about the art itself? Did you guys click with it? Were you guys really enthralled by it? Or were you guys okay with it? You know, or are you like one of my friends, which who didn't click with it at all, because he just sort of prefers the more standardized anime style versus uh, Great Pretender, which went much more stylized and much more unique. Right, I saw Pretender 2 and I thought it was very stylized. It actually kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, Bungo Stray Dogs in a sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can see that, yeah. Yeah, kind of like how the design, the character design is and how they draw the characters, I feel like. And, but it's different in that Bungo Stray Dogs doesn't have that color scheme or kind of that um, display of, you know, locations and stuff like that. And that's what I really liked about Great Pretender especially like the Singapore arc, their interpretation of Singapore and like the colors that they use. Sometimes it's very detailed, but it's also very simple in a sense. They like color the windows like yellow or different colors that you normally wouldn't see in real life, right? If you take a real picture of those like locations, that's not something you would see. Yeah, so for me, I like those shots and I like how they uh, had the characters 
interact all together. For me, though, it was okay. And um, and that's just because I just, uh, you know, I liked watching it, but I felt like it, it could have used some more color or, you know, more, um, but just a different way for me. That's just personal taste, I would say. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much my take on Great Pretender overall, though. And what about you, Agnes? How did you feel about the art when you were watching the anime itself? I think when I was watching the anime in itself, I didn't think too much about it because I was just like, ooh, what are they going to pull in terms of like their little heist? I was more interested in the plot. Yes, I was very like hyper focused on the plot. Uh, but now that I think back up on it, I think they did a really good job with the color composition for certain locations to kind of exaggerate. Like, Los Angeles doesn't feel like Los Angeles, but you, you know it's Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's like there's a part of it that is similar to the locations, but also a lot more magical. But I, I think you got it right on the head. It was the color composition. You're absolutely correct. Yeah. Yeah, because you look at all – because you, you – because – you could definitely like tone down on the colors and it would like look like Los Angeles, but like what's the fun in toning down the colors when you can kind of go kind of wacko crazy with the colors <laughs> and make it something that can actually like stand out and make you feel like, wow, this is actually kind of cool and doesn't look like crummy Los Angeles that's full of smog every single day, you know? That's so sad. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but I guess like that's a, another pretty gross interpretation of other locations as well, like Singapore and also places like London. Like London doesn't look that nice. <laughs> yes, London is very gray based on what. London's very gray. Yeah. <laughs> like, anywhere you go in London is very gray. And so the fact that they put a lot of effort in Carrie to kind of like bring it alive, I think is very appealing. But similar to what Isabel said, it's like, it's just kind of there for the fact. It's just, it's just a very head empty kind of moment. Okay. It, well, okay, so the funny thing is I, I could be wrong, so correct me, Agnes, but were you the one who uh, nominated Great Pretender for character designs, or was it someone else for... Uh, I might have nominated it for character design, only because they showed a, a slightly more diverse character casts in terms of like color um skin color and ethnicity and it wasn't like hyper focused on people who were either asian or people who were just pure caucasian okay okay i see what you're saying yeah because i was gonna say I, I do think that was one thing that a lot of people had praised great pretender on is they whether it was for the characters themselves or the plot that they had issues with they're like okay but at the very least when you lay out the cast and you look at the characters themselves it looks really nice and colorful and in a sense very different because of the fact that it's so nice and colorful with different different skin tones and different nationalities and even people within the same nationalities having different skin tones and stuff like that which was a pretty which is actually a very big deal for many people because we tend to associate one particular nationality with one particular skin tone usually so right and the fact that a lot of these nationalities that were featured in great pretender excuse me, are normally kind of like sidelined as side characters or they're kind of like the bad guy. Like you look at Salazar, right? Salazar mm, is a yeah. Latin American man and in a lot of Western media, the Latin people are not considered like good guys, usually like drug cartels, in which in this sense Salazar is, but he's a good man. Like mm -hmm. he's not a bad man. Yeah. And in the result, he gets a good ending, which I think is a great representation in a lot of people's eyes and a very redeeming part and even arguably so, like, Abby as well is a very complicated character from the Middle East, or presumably mm -hmm. the Middle East, because she's from Baghdad. 
um, who comes off as both somebody who continues to perpetuate the cycle and somebody who's trying to break the cycle as well. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just like, it's really nice that they're able to show that through also the composition as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. So yeah, so as a whole, I I think it really is the color composition. Like you said, I didn't I didn't have the right phrase or term in my head, but I, I think overall I really like bright colors. You know, I and yeah. I also overall really like stylized art. For example, uh, I know Van Gogh paintings sometimes can make you a little dizzy when you stare at it. One of my friends actually has said that she's gotten motion sickness from Van Gogh's paintings oh. or painting styles. But those are the types of styles I really like where his is also very highly stylized and actually quite bright as well. And so and I think this just that type of like popping out colors sort of situations that really stood out to me about Great Pretender and it just fit right, right snugly in my aesthetic. So that's my first pick for uh, an anime that I just love the aesthetics for. My second pick is actually a currently airing anime and Jack is going to love me for this if he if he listens to this episode. But I actually picked my second one as the Aquatope on White Sand <laughs> if we don't gush about it enough in our channels. It's still airing. It's not done. But the biggest reason for me picking the Aquatope on White Sand actually is a lot more personal, per se, because uh, I have an affinity towards water. I've had an affinity towards water my entire life. And what's funny is I spent my like a good chunk of my life being like, oh, I'm like a fire person. I'm very fiery and passionate and loud, you know, sort of thing. But everything in my life have has like pointed me towards water. And so, for example, um, my star signs, like the majority of my star, uh, my birth chart star signs are all within the water element. And then uh, on top of that, like as a kid, I self-taught myself how to swim. And I was, despite being self-taught, when my mom finally you know, had saved enough money to send me to a swim class and stuff. I was so good that the teacher was like she could be in upper classes with like kids that are a lot older than her because of how well I've gotten attuned to like swimming just by watching other people and like having my mom instruct me based on what she saw because she doesn't know how to swim either. And uh, and then water is literally in my last name. Uh, my last name's meaning is uh, a canal, like a water canal. So water is literally my last name. And it's, and it's like to put probably the least uh, accurate of all the water sort of signs thing. But uh, my even when I like took the official like Avatar The Last Airbender <laughs> quiz on like which element you are, they're like their result was water. And I was in denial for a long time because I was like, no, like I want to be fire and stuff like that. But <laughs> Throughout the years, I have come to embrace and accept and really also see how much water speaks out to me because I I see water and I just want to like put my feet in it and I just want to put my hand in it. And it's just like even just listening to like even like as a kid remembering when my mom like takes a shower or anything, just listening to, you know, the shower water soothes me. I love it when it storms where I'm at, which I'm really lucky because it actually storms a lot. It's one of the nicest feelings and sounds in the world to me. And so Aquatobe on White Sand takes place in Okinawa where, you know, they are surrounded by the ocean and particularly the aesthetics is completely surrounded on water and the ocean. Like a lot of scenes, there's actually even a watery film 
like a watery sheen across the characters, across like the setting itself that like never that basically makes you feel like you're always slightly submerged in the water despite the fact that they're very much on land and stuff like that and of course we got to see beautiful uh beautiful aquatic life which Medi, who's our probably our anime trending guy who cares the most about animals have said to be extraordinarily accurate in not only its depiction of like how these fish move but like how these fish even live like the fish that the fish that live in groups are always drawn together in groups and fish that lives in solitary ways or in like crevices and rocks they're all drawn to a very accurate degree and then on top of that the character designs themselves actually all the characters kind of reflect certain aquatic uh certain aquatic creatures like just their coloration and the shape of their face and stuff like that are purposefully made to model after some of them uh and so i i just like how there's this whole unifying idea around water in the ocean and how the anime just really goes ham on it with that watery sheen that sort of just flickers through throughout every single episode it's just really magical to me especially with my affinity towards water so that's like my second pick for the aquatope on white sand as for like my aesthetic which is crazy crazy uh recent considering it's still airing but are you two watching this anime at all (laughs) i'm not unfortunately I have seen this, but no, sorry. <laughs> Ugh, you guys, this is like my favorite anime of the season right now. So you guys have to, yeah, like, please, 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 whole, please give it a chance. <laughs> the whole time that Gracie was talking about her affinity with water and how she took swim classes, I'm like, are you Haruka from Swim? <laughs> like, for free? <laughs> like, I... <laughs> I to ask that. So what do you think about I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm as... <laughs> Yeah, how does how does freeze water compare to aquatope's water? I think uh, oh well, okay, freeze water is beautiful. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so freeze water is beautiful. I think the reason why I like aquatope's uh, water aesthetics more is because I feel like it is a little more environmental in the way that they show it with like the varying degrees of water depth color depending on which part of the ocean you're looking at and which you know and they actually show it in the anime there's like a supernatural element to it where they will find the characters will suddenly find themselves underneath water but like in that water they sort of like time sort of seems to stop and you can sort of access the past and the present and the future even a bit it's it's hard to explain but essentially the more in depth the moment is in regards to like how like you know how deeply rooted the emotional uh the emotional core or the cause of this particular trigger happens the the color changes it's a deeper blue for Kukuru when she actually meets up with her um, deceased parents again in the supernatural element because that is very much a deep-seated likely trauma and emotional hard spot for a child. And then with with Fuka when she first arrived and encountered the the like supernatural water element, she was sort of just discovering 
herself, like just discovering what she wants in life and like why she's felt in a rut and stuff like that. So the water is clearer and a lot lighter, just sort of like the lighter ends of the ocean of the beaches by the sand because she's she hasn't quite dug deep yet. And so it's like that sort of details that I really, really adore. So it's like free is very pretty and gorgeous. And of course it is because it's Kyoto animation. But Aquatope, I think, is just so much more entrenched into that whole like water aesthetic. Does that make sense? (laughs) I think so. I mean, it plays very well into like, I guess, the thematic gestures towards each of the characters rather than it just be like, oh, yeah, here's a swimming pool and here's how guys do get out in the sport. (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. And here's all their back muscles for you to admire. Chef's kiss. (laughs) Special (laughs) shout out to Free for the back muscles. Yes. Yes, I don't think another anime, well, probably aside from Haikyuu, who cares a lot about back muscles too, but um, yes, Free definitely puts a lot of care into back muscles. However, I am not Haru because Haru is, how do I put it simply, an introvert, and I am not, so. Ah, yes, okay, yes, that that is a very glaring point. Yeah, no, but it's funny because really water has sort of been like really entrenched in my life and like a big part of my life. And it's my birth chart is ridiculous. I'm not going to talk about it, but it's just the amount of like water symbolism and signs in my entire life all the way to like my last name. I was just like, yeah, it's, it's just too much to deny at this point. I am a water person through and through and I thus I have embraced it. So, <laughs> anywho, so those are my two anime that I really love the aesthetics for. Uh, Isabel, what about you? You know, what are uh, some anime that you really just adore the aesthetics for and has just really stood out to you in that regard? Yeah, so my first pick would be an anime called K Project. Uh, I really like. Oh. oh. Yeah. Who's uh? What's the studio? The one that made Go Hands, right? right? Yes, Go Hands. Yeah. God. Yeah, yeah. That's that's. We're not gonna talk about that. We are not. We're, we're <laughs> we're not talk about that. <laughs> but okay, go we're, on. We'll just talk about K Project. No, yeah, I'm not equipped to talk about the production uh, studio. I feel that too much either. But I feel like their aesthetic in K Project is their biggest project overall, and um, they really. I feel like they really milked out milked out the series and trying to make a movie for each of the kings an increase k project is kind of more like a gang activity and there are kings in the in the city and they have supernatural powers it makes it really easy for viewers to just catch on really quickly because the characters have uh, or are under certain colors so there's like a blue king a red king it's very very simple right so anyone can catch on to it and i don't know i just really like the fights uh in the anime series itself because with the music and everything, they like have they have dumb weapons such as like skateboards or just a stick. Uh, but because they have superpowers, of course, they can wield their power. So if you're on the uh, red side, for example, you would have your red power and you would um, kind of like imbue the stick with your power and fight with it. It seems really stupid, but it looks really cool. I promise you. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just really like the fight scenes in there. And then the characters also look really cool. Uh, Scepter 4 is like the blue clan. So they kind of have like, like um, uniforms and they all wield swords, even though during this time they, they're they living in a city. So they already have guns and everything. But it's kind of weird that the Scepter 4, who kind of keeps the, uh, they're kind of like the police force, 
quote unquote, and then but they use they all use swords. They're very orderly, so it, it really adds to their character and um, exactly how this type of clan should be acting. So yeah, but have you guys ever seen that? Like, have you seen like at least maybe the fight scenes or the backgrounds or music, perhaps? Absolutely, I've definitely seen the fight scenes and enough of Kenjiro Suda's voice. Oh. <laughs> It is back to Kenjiro Suda again. My, I suggest you guys watch the most recent Sonny Boy episode because Suda's song appears as a big black puppy. So, <laughs> yes, but I have seen K-Project. <laughs> I've seen, like, I think the first initial episodes when it came out, but I forgot to pick it back up again. But now that you mentioned that they created, like, a movie for each of the kings, I kind of want to go see it now because it was really nice. It was very aesthetically pleasing. It was, like, that was, it was a pretty big uh, anime, right, Isabel? Like, it was pretty popular when it first came out and stuff like that. Yeah, I think it was because I feel like it was maybe just almost pure eye candy in a sense because it was just looked so pleasing and when you keep watching it though, the plot kind of gets confusing. But I still liked it because, I don't know, I, the characters look so cool. I think that's basically what you can describe K-Project is, is like the characters are really cool, the, the fight scenes are cool, and the character designs... Um, are cool too so that's what I feel about that and then it kind of like drew me in to start reading the manga as well and look oh there's a manga yeah, they have okay like small like like short mangas about kind of like the characters in the series that they might have not have talked about so they kind of go into like their prequel prequel parts and then the, they also made a movie for that uh, so each movie is kind of themed after that uh, the k-project also had uh, season two as well as a movie uh, season two is where the green clan comes in and their concept was really interesting too. Their name was Jungle and then they were kind of like the gamers. So that was their theme. So everything related to games, uh, they would take over the whole city and kind of computerize everything. So and then all all the citizens got involved in that. Uh, normal citizens can't get powers, but uh, the king, the green king had the power to give that to everyone else if they play the game. So just moving around with that concept. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a unique concept. Yeah. Wow. Okay, maybe I should go back <laughs> and rewatch it. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, okay, so please do not hate me for this, but the aesthetics actually was not a click for me <laughs> in regards to K-Project. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is I think, once again, I have a hard time clicking with more sci-fi-esque looking stories and anime as a whole. And so because of that, uh, K-Project, there was something very neon lightsy about it. Uh, like, I don't know if that's the right way to describe it, but it's a different kind of coloration than Great Pretender. That's the type that kind of hurts my eyes, and it could just be because I have bad eyesight. I do have really bad eyesight, guys. You have no idea how bad my eyesights are. And so, but it kind of hurt my eyes, and so when the fight sequences happened, it actually hurt me more to, like, follow along than to just enjoy the spectacle and the animation. And so, so the aesthetics of the anime actually kind of hurt my enjoyment of watching it itself. But, you know, that's the whole thing of aesthetics is that it's very personal into your opinion of what you like and what you prefer. And so I think that was like I that was definitely the biggest reason as to why I had a hard time clicking with it, because the fight scenes, as much as I wanted to enjoy them, just ended up hurting me more. And so uh, but it is very, very distinct. Like you 
you will you can see any shot of K Project and you know that that comes from that particular franchise. So I agree in the fact that it is a very unique, uh, a very unique aesthetic for the anime itself. And a lot of people really, really enjoyed it. It was just for me personally, I couldn't click with mm-hmm. it. <laughs> right. I kind of see that too. So I can, I can kind of see it because it's a Gohan's production like flair. It's part of all of their series, even the yes. very disastrous like handshakers, in which it's like you know when you play around, okay, you know when you play around with Photoshop for a little bit too long and you add too many colored filters onto oh, your yeah. photo. Yes, that's exact. That's exactly how K Project is because like if you look at each of the fight scenes, the way that they color certain like buildings, the way that they color like how the the characters like move around each other, they're not conventional colors. It's kind of like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure in that sense too, where you don't really get a sense because like you do get a sense in the normal scenes what each color king represents, but in the fight scenes, it's a little bit jarring because the color shifts a lot. I don't think you would very much uh, like to live in a cyberpunk world, Gracie, because colors will fluctuate a lot, especially with yes, the yes, no. Actually, I know. For example, another anime that comes to mind is Akudama Drive has a very particular oh, aesthetic yeah. visually and stuff like that. And many, many people have said it's stunning. And I can, it's because it's like the same thing for K Project. I can objectively see how this is very unique and artistic and thus really gorgeously well done and perfect for the story itself. It's just that I have a hard time (laughs) adjusting to it with my eyesight and such. And so, and I don't know, like, I just... Is it have to do with my bad eyesight? I'm asking you guys as if you're my doctors. And so I don't know, but I do have a hard time adjusting to these sort of like fluctuating lights, like you said. So, uh, so definitely it gives me, it, it gives me a bit of pain more, but once again, you're right. This is a very particular part of go hands and made particularly famous by K project. And I do think it's utilized to a very good degree. It's just, it makes me hurt my eyes. So. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I can see it because when, when there are flight fight scenes, I feel like it's very flashy in a sense. They definitely like shine a lot of bright lights. So I can see how it kind of hurts to, uh, you know, hurts to see sometimes, or even just following the fight scenes itself, because it's so dynamic. Like there's a lot of cutscenes or scenes where they're spinning around and stuff so that can kind of make you dizzy i can see that yeah yeah, but it's still gorgeous mm-hmm. you know i do agree that there is it, it is very particular and it's done very very well so i can totally get why you picked that for sure yeah <laughs> but yeah uh, so i can move on to my second one uh my second one uh would be a movie this one came out 2019 uh it's called promare it's by trigger i really like that movie damn it i was gonna pick that one <laughs> Yes, Isabel. Talk more of about Promare. We haven't it's had a just... chance to talk about Promare right now. Uh... <laughs> I know! We haven't! Oh my gosh, we really we haven't! <laughs> this is the perfect episode to do it. Yeah, Promare is just honestly a crazy movie altogether. Crazy, I don't know if you've seen it, but I feel like because it has so many flashy colors and neon fluorescent lightings, <laughs> it would not be something that you would enjoy. So I have not seen it. No. Are you telling me I shouldn't see it? Because you guys really love it. <laughs> I saw it three times in theaters. <laughs> Don't oh talk to me. Oh my it's so gosh. Good. <laughs> I dragged every single friend group I could muster to go watch it with me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that's me too. It is uh, coming out in September one more time. So if you have a chance, at least see it once in theaters. For us, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh man, I wish we were in the same city because then I would totally go with you too. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like it's it's so fun. the The theme of Promare is kind of like Fire Force in a sense because they have like a firefighting force trying to put out fires, and um, the main character Galo, he's on the firefighting force, and he's uh, you know a very kind of robust or kind of like loud character, I would say. In comparison to Leo, who's on, who who has this power, this uh, fire power, and he's kind of more chill in a sense. And then he controls the fire. The fire is interesting as well. The reason why the reason why I like that is because the fire itself is kind of geometric in a sense. You'll see that in the start of the movie. That it's very very triangular, and the flames uh, you would expect them to be you know red or orange, but it's actually green and purple throughout most of the film itself. Oh, well, that's really interesting. Okay, okay, keep talking. <laughs> I'm intrigued. <laughs> like the design of the fire itself and the design of the characters, like Leo's hair is kind of bright green in comparison to Galo's hair is like blue. And then it's also based in the city. The city is, I don't know what it is, like they have uh, interesting things like, uh, like fire, like water hydrants popping out of buildings. So in the first few scenes of the movie, there's a fight between the um, firefighting force and trying to put out a fire in the city. And I just feel like that scene is just so amazing. I, I get drawn to it every single time I see that. Oh, mm-hmm. is it the the water hydrants like pop out? The yeah, sides of the I was just like... I- yeah, that was really cool. <laughs> I remember seeing that. I was like, man, whoever built that, whoever was the architect of that building is absolutely bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then the other thing is um, Trigger is known for doing a lot of mecha stuff as well where they like mechs mm, yes. and mm-hmm. I, i'm not too big on me- mechs but when i watched this movie i i, I was totally on board for it uh, i was like yes put a galo in in his you know fighting suit and then he can go <laughs> fight with mechs um and then the other choice for the burnish they also um have motorcycles in a sense they're kind of like i feel like they took inspiration yeah. from the and motorcycles so, oh, mm-hmm. that's really cool! What the heck? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're like fire terrorists that fight with fire, but they can use the burnished power to make themselves like black yeah. armor and black mm-hmm. motorcycle, and they just kind of like cruise around the city like that. And I'm just like, wow, that's wicked! <laughs> so Promare is just nuts. Honestly, the whole movie is like that. It's I just feel like it's a giant hype train throughout the movie, and I also like how Leo turns uh, has uh, like calls upon like a dragon and. The dragon's colors just continue to like, kind of like not sparkle. It looks like it's sparkling, but it's actually just changing colors because of the color of the fire as well. So it's very like blue, green, light, kind of like pastel colors. And I really like that about this show as well. Um, and even though it uses a lot of 3D CG, it feels very fluid in a sense. I feel like you couldn't make that movie without the 3D CG because there's so many like cubes and squares. Like when Galo, he tries to put out a fire, he like shoots out a gun and there are ice cubes to cool the fire. (laughs) Yeah. And they made like a whole lore out of it too, (laughs) which is the stupidest part because it's, uh, it's anti, it's a, it's like a freezing agent. The entirety of all the weapons that they use is because the fire is like, you can't put it out with water. So you have to like hyper freeze it instead. So all their weapons, when they use it, it shoots out like icicles or like ice cubes so that it solidifies the fire. Oh yeah, there's that concept as well. Yeah, and then there's more to that in the in the movie. Okay, I remember now, yeah. 
that they use that more in the movie. <laughs> and then I feel like everything goes along so well with the music. It makes it adds to kind of like the whole mood and feel of the movie. Uh, like every time, because uh, the track is by Hiroyuki Sawano as well. <laughs> I love all the scenes that have you know the music starting with them and them fighting um, as well. Well, I have seen a lot of shots of the movie on my Twitter dash or Twitter dashboard. Is that what you say? Well, anyway, on my Twitter. And so I do know it's very aesthetic, but just hear you describe like the way the geometry works with all the animation, the characters and the way that they like change the fire color to be like green and stuff like that's really cool. Yeah, I think. I don't know. Either I would get a headache or either I would love it because of the way that they use the geometry. Because I do love it when people use geometric shapes in different ways. <laughs> I found a gif of when Leo's dragon like circles up the one of the skyscrapers. Uh, if you want a, like a, a visual cue and I guess like a teaser of if you would like this movie or not. Because it's pretty iconic as a gif. Oh yeah, yeah, that's exactly the scene oh, I was thinking. Oh, <laughs> wow, that is so cool. <laughs> I actually think I'd be able to handle this one. I All right, Promare watch party went, oh God. <laughs> yeah, I think I would probably I got so be able excited, to handle I dropped this. my phone. <laughs> yeah, that is really cool. Very. I mean, Promare, I remember, made a big splash when it first started airing, so... I mean, just the visuals itself really is just, that is gorgeous. Um, Mm -hmm. It's like one of those movies that usually you wouldn't go to, you know, movie theaters to rewatch. But I feel like, like Agnes has watched it three times in theaters. I think it's just the movie that it's so, it's like actually you enjoy your time just watching everything happening. Do you guys ship the two main characters? Because that's what I see a lot as well. (laughs) Yes and no. Like, I'm fine with them being platonic, but I'm also fine if they get together because they, they they work very well in a partnership in general. I see. It's like one of those relationships where it's like, if they're bros, that's cool. But if they're in a relationship, that's cool too, you know, sort of thing. Yeah, that's how I feel for him. Okay. Well, I am intrigued, if nothing else. But that if that really does just does look gorgeous and stuff, oh, I love it. All right. Well, those are two pretty hefty. You know what's funny is I can see your preference within your two picks here, Isabel. Like there is a similarity to each other that I can see very clearly between between these two. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was that was a really uh, interesting thing for me to see that sort of like underlying theme happening between these two anime aesthetics. So, yeah. Wow. All right, so Promare is absolutely gorgeous. I can see that even as someone who hasn't watched the show, it's or not the show, but watched the movie itself. But what about you, Agnes? I know you were pretty excited about this topic. So <laughs> what do you have for us in regards to your anime aesthetics picks? <laughs> oh, gosh, there's there's a lot that I had to like sift through and be like, do I actually like the show for its aesthetic or otherwise? Um, but the one show, the, I guess more like studio, I think that I want to highlight first is Euphotable's work throughout the years, starting from like Garden of Sinners all the way up until, um, like Demon Slayer. There's a way that they compose each of the shots and the color schemes within each of the movies. But the one that I want to highlight the most that we've actually talked about the series on this podcast before is actually Demon Slayer. Because when I first watched 
when I first read Demon Slayer in the manga form, I wasn't too impressed. Uh, Demon Slayer in the manga form is very rough around the edges. It's not as polished as like a typical shonen series like you would see in like Naruto, Bleach, like One Piece. There's a very like rough, sketchy style that doesn't feel like it's a final draft. It feels more like a rough draft. Interesting. Okay. And if you look at a lot of the, the final action scenes of Tanjiro, like pulling out one of the water style uh, sequences and like killing the whatever villain is currently in front of him, it's just like a standard shonen slash. It's like a, a big oh, explosion that's drawn uh, across the panel, and you're just kind of like, all right, it looks it looks fine, and but it's like it's very standard, it's very normalized, I guess. And then when I went to go watch it, the actual Demon Slayer premiere in Los Angeles. I thought to myself that Euphoria will actually put so much work into it because they completely reinvigorated the style into something that was uniquely theirs that I had not seen in previous Fate Stay Night movies, previous uh, Garden of Sinners, or any other Euphoria production thus far, and even other studios as well. And the biggest part is incorporating kind of ukiyo-style art with the techniques for each of the characters. It's very blocky, it's very colorful, but it works so smoothly when it comes to transitioning between like sword techniques, when it comes to like utilizing certain demon powers as well. And so when I watched that, I was like, that's really interesting. That is such a unique twist of the shonen genre. And also paying homage to the time period that um, the Demon Slayers from the Taisho period where things were very bizarrely colorful not very like nicely uniform and aesthetically pleasing like the Meiji era but very like uh experimental in a way oh. and you see it like how like when Tanjiro like when he does his um his sword sweep like when he slashes with his sword you can see like the currents of the water churning through the blade as it unleashes like this whirlwind or like this massive tsunami that overflows people or like um uh what's his name the scaredy cat, a Zenitsu. When Zenitsu <laughs> releases his, uh, like, Yaido strike, there's like a crackle of lightning and it looks so, like, visually pleasing. And I'm just like, wow, this looks so cool. <laughs> I was going to say, I remember when I first watched, and that was definitely the part that, like, took my breath away when he first used the water breathing technique and you see the currents of it. It kind of reminded me of that very famous art. From Japan, what was it called? Uh-oh, the way? The, um, the the great Kanagawa way. Yes, or, or yes. I actually yeah. thought it looked really similar to that. Like, what do you think? You know, yep. like that was purposeful? yeah. So I feel like I feel like that was probably really purposeful. Okay. Um, into incorporating it in within like the the Japanese like esque style, not necessarily pertaining to a particular period, but it's like part of a like a Japanese identity sort of thing. Um, and it's uniquely Japanese, and they put it into a uniquely Japanese uh, set show kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you wouldn't see this reflected in, I don't know, like, Bleach. No. <laughs> right? Oh, right, right? Or, like, right, in any right. other show. Like, it feels so uniquely Japanese that you're just like, yeah, this is a Japanese animation. This is nothing else. So, you mentioned something really interesting that I didn't know about, which, you know, Agnes, coming in clutch with our history to this one. <laughs> <laughs> Taisho era was very colorful and like experimental. Was it just because it was a transition era or like what was going on that like, you know, sort of fed into this sort of art style that Ufotable was able to also incorporate into the aesthetics of Demon Slayer? 
Yeah, like if you look in a lot of Taishu textiles, especially like the kimonos and the hakamas, there's a lot of really weird patterns that don't look like a standardized kimono that you would see maybe like an Edo period or even like a more modern period, like in the the Showa or like the the Reiji period question mark. Um, and it's like very blocky, like all the like the flowers have like a geometric shape to it that looks very very interesting. Oh my gosh! And to and the characters else. themselves are wearing kimonos with a lot of shapes that are, are. geometric. Oh my yeah. gosh! Yes. <laughs> Tanjiro Tanjiro's entire outfit is literally made of checkerboard print. Right, and then there's where it's like Gyu's black and too. green, and it's like just squares. Yeah, and Gyu's as well. You know, and Gyu's is interesting because it's two parts of a hakama, right? Right. Because and- it's one part that represents you know two friends that he had lost so long oh, ago yeah. so it's very like very interesting how it all like works out oh that is really fascinating that's definitely like that's definitely a tidbit that i wish i had because i probably would have enjoyed the aesthetics of demon slayer even more if i knew but now that i know you know i'm able to appreciate it more i'm really surprised you picked demon slayer because i i know you're a huge fan of of Affordable, but you know, I didn't expect Demon Slayer was going to be your pick out of the whole, you know, clutch of really good aesthetically pleasing <laughs> anime. <laughs> I thought about it for a while, but then I started to realize that Ufotable was starting to reuse a lot of their old tricks that they've gotten from the Fate movies. Oh. And I kind of got a little bit disillusioned during that time period. And not to say that Ufotable doesn't do a great job with the Fate series. I think they do a fantastic job with the Fate series. But there were also other studios out there that were already reimagining the Fate series in their own vision and making it as colorful as Ufotable. So I felt like Ufotable was kind of like lagging behind just a little bit until they had that massive jump with Demon Slayer. Mm, Interesting, interesting. Well, that is really good information. Did you know all these, Isabel, or are you just learning it with me? (laughs) No, I I feel like I knew some of it a little bit, but then most of it I was learning as well. And yeah, I just also want to highlight the characters because characters in Demon Slayer I didn't expect to be, you know, interesting as well, especially when you meet the pillars. Kind of like honestly just their hair color like how they have different colored hair and <laughs> yeah, 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 two yeah. Different do not colors. forget you get blonde hair when you get struck by lightning apparently apparently so <laughs> so yeah that was interesting to me i didn't expect that from the show and seeing the characters change and um kind of the color scheme as well as feels very different to me Definitely, yeah. I I was kind of like blown away when I saw the premiere. It was like the first, I think like three episodes of Demon Slayer that they were premiering. And I was just like, okay, wait, this is hands down Ufot- one of Ufotable's best works, if not followed by the other Fate series or the other numerous shows that they've done before. Too. I, I think something that I really love about Demon Slayer's aesthetics and overall I love this type of aesthetics is when you combine two different forms of art style you know for example yeah uh for example azokin is actually uh another anime that you know i won't go into details on but i did really like the aesthetics for that one where it combined two different sort of art forms and art styles into one and it was seamlessly done and that's what i felt like with uh with what you were saying with the um techniques and stuff it's 
the art for those lightnings, the water is so much more stylized. I mean, granted, Demon Slayer itself is very, you know, stylized, especially now that I know about the character design information and stuff. But, you know, with the with the way the water was flowing, the currents was a lot more stylized and almost in a different style than the rest of the anime. But the way that it just blended together, I was like, oh, you know, I was like, a <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of an eye gasm to watch it. Like, damn, that looks really yeah, nice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, yeah, no, Demon Slayer's aesthetics is really, really pleasing, at least for me, for sure. But, you know, also for you as well. So uh, what is your second pick then in regards to anime aesthetics after you went through your whole library of trying to pick through it? <laughs> I It didn't strike me until now, until last, literally last night in our chats. And I was like, wait a second, I can actually talk about this movie now. And it's interesting that we talked about K-Project before because... There's a movie that, there's a, sorry, there's a YouTuber, uh, Super Eyepatch Wolf, who analyzed what it's like to bring failures of a particular movie, but ultimately bringing it as a success in terms of animation. And he used, uh, Gohan's production as an example in which there's so much vision and passion with the people who created the Gohans. Oh, mm. uh, sorry. Who created, like, um, the, uh, the other series. But it fell because there was like, you know, no coherent plot, the writing's terrible and everything, but it's still, you still feel passion in it. And in conjunction to that, he followed up with the movie called Redline, which was Madhouse's pet project for seven years, all hand-drawn, and it almost made them financially bankrupt. Oh my gosh, okay. This, they almost went financially bankrupt in 2011, after Promare was released. I think like three months after Pro uh, sorry, not Promare. <laughs> three months after <laughs> my, my brain is still on Promare. Three months after Redline was premiered in Japan, and it actually was not received very well with the Japanese public. But if you manage to snag a copy, either you watch it legally on YouTube, uh we can pay like three, four dollars to watch it on YouTube, or you can find the Blu-ray copy elsewhere. It's absolutely magnificent in terms of how everything is meticulously drawn. And it feels like watching a Star Wars film, but with the aesthetics of an American comic book. Huh. Um, all the characters are distinctly different. They're all, it's a, it's a sci-fi, um, world where there's an intergalactical racing Grand Prix that exists. Um, but in this Grand Prix, anything goes, including trying to kill your opponent in order to reach the ultimate. Uh, end goal and as a result each of the racers that participate in various levels of the grand prix are designed incredibly different from each other whether they're like more humanoid they're more alien they're more grotesque they're more feathery furry um and it's just it's just it's just an eye spectacle to watch and you feel like you're so engrossed in this world that they live in in this like vast dynamic planets you see other like sci-fi movies like i guess like legends of the galactic hero or um cowboy bebop and you think like yeah you know this is sci-fi but you don't really feel sci-fi until you see all different types of like alien races that pop up and none of the characters or even side characters even background characters in redline feel remotely the same they're all different from one another, from like various ticks, like warts, skin tone, leathery tone of their skin, fur, etc. 
I do also want to know if you do have a Prime. It, it is on Prime Video, so you can watch. Oh, it it's on Prime Video. Yeah. yeah, there's on Prime Video, and I think it's also Netflix too. Oh, now okay, that I think okay, about okay. it, yeah. And it's so well done, and the fact that everything is hand drawn at the time is a feat. And then the other thing that I want to point out that's really unique about Redline is the comic American comic book feel that is not. Japanese like it's very heavy on the shadows but there's still like this small neon color pop that really makes a lot of the characters stand out from one another like you look at the main character JP he's all black but you see like the shine in his pompadour the shine in his leather jacket of his black leather jacket that makes him stand out as a protagonist and then you look at his female the female protagonist of the movie Sanashi she is bright bright she's bright green hair she has like this cute really bright orange like tracksuit that she wears while she's racing and it's just it's just visual eye candy to just watch from start to finish plus um mad has an entire production of creating like this uh kinetically charged movie feels like you're on the edge of your seat as you're experiencing this magnificent intergalactical grand prix <laughs> that is so that was a lot that <laughs> I is talked really real, I talked fascinating a lot though that it. so did this project almost make them bankrupt or like what like it almost it almost made them bankrupt i think there were other series that helped them like lift out of the bankruptcy they they got bought out i think oh. by another company that's what like saved them that's what kept them afloat but yeah redline was one of their biggest pet projects that made them go bankrupt Dang, wow. that's insane. Have you heard of this yeah. at all, uh, Isabel? I actually haven't at all, so just watching the trailer is something I would definitely be interested in, but I've just looking at the time that it came out in 2009, it seems like. that. Yeah, I just hadn't heard of it. It kind of reminds me of a MAPPA anime that I did start. It was Garo Vanishing Line. Kind of like that. Oh, Garo Vanishing Line. Yeah, it's it's very similar to Garo in that yeah. aspect. Yeah. Very heavy on the blacks. Yeah. But I feel like Redline has more details or like the shading is definitely more darker, which is what you, like you said, like kind of like American comic book type shading compared to Garo. And mm-hmm. just the details that they have for the aliens look really, in, really intriguing as well, because usually, you know, I would just see them as, you know, outsiders or aliens. Okay, they're on the other side or kind of blobs, but the attention to details to this seems pretty, definitely looks like something I at least try watching. Yeah, try to watch it once. It's great. <laughs> I absolutely love it. There's a lot of good character buildup, storyline, and like various levels of how the Grand Prix affects everybody. So I think it's a it's a great visual treat and a great storyline treat as well. I think it's just I did watch the trailer and it is more comic booky, but at the same time, it's not. It, it's like you said, you know, the best thing about aesthetics is when it's, there's something so unique about it. But I definitely see what you're saying about the shadows. I definitely see that. Um. It's yeah. When you first watch it, you're just like, oh, this is not anime. But when you think about it, it's not anime, but it's done through like the visionaries of anime. It, but it you still think yourself, is. You know, I definitely see it. This, is, and I'm yeah. like, I'm like, that's an anime. It's a very distinct and different anime for sure but i still see an anime definitely so yeah no i really i really like the visuals for it what did you think of the story or was it is it really just like a visual feast for the eyes i guess the story is also very good i love the story a lot um the characters themselves are super complex because 
many of them want to just win the Grand Prix to win the Grand Prix to have like a name for themselves or a title. But the main character is so humble and he just wants to race for the sake of racing, to feel the thrill and the adrenaline. And so it makes him stand out from his other competitors who come, who literally come into the race with like really high tech, uh, vehicles that can like hover. They have rocket pro- uh, propulsions and various of weaponry actually that they use to sabotage other cars. Like there's like rocket it launchers that like shoot video, out chains. It sounds like a dangerous uh, Mario Go Kart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a very dangerous like Mario Kart kind of feel. But the main character, he's so rooted in the idea of racing for the sake of racing that he literally doesn't bring weapons with him and his car is a trans am car it's not even like some hyper realist like a hyper fantasy uh space vehicle or anything it doesn't even hover it has wheels (laughs) (laughs) so it's just so unique but it just makes him like so much of a humble character that you can't help but root for him as well he also has a very stylish like pompadour and a leather jacket you're just like okay this guy's cool this guy's the motto of cool Oh man, well that is, uh, that's definitely something that I'm glad you, uh, I love, see this is why I love our talks because we'll, we'll sometimes touch on anime that we've all seen and stuff and then sometimes we'll, one of us will touch on an anime that none of us have even heard of until like you mentioned it and you're just like, oh, there's this thing happening. Yeah, no, I think that's like, I mean, kudos to the team considering, like, how passionate they were about it, you know? But I think it shows visually, if nothing else. So um, I'm glad that, you know, and I'm also glad it didn't tank them ultimately at the very end. But that's dangerous, man. That is some, that is true passion right there to risk an entire company for this. That's pretty insane. (laughs) Yeah, and it was the... It was Quickie. Uh, Quickie is the director of this movie. It was his first directorial debut, oh. and before he was the key of like one of the big veteran key animators for Madhouse, and he eventually he would make it big by doing all the Lupin Three movies. Oh, this is really fascinating. Okay, okay, that is really cool. Well, maybe we need a watch party of Promare and this. Oh God, our eyes are going to be on fire. <laughs> I mean, my I feel like my I feel like my eyes and Isabel's eyes are going to be fine. I fear for your eyes. <laughs> so. I, I do have terrible eyes. <laughs> Uh, well, I think I mean, that's definitely something I'm going to add to my watch list as well, especially now that I know it's on Prime Video. So that's really easy access for me at the very least. So <laughs> Watch it with your roommates and see what they think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I am curious. I'll have to I'll have to ask her and show her and see what she thinks for sure. Well, I think that's about all our anime aesthetics for today. We covered six different anime uh, in regards to the aesthetics and yeah they're all really great and you know that's the best thing about anime is that you know there is a lot of different styles out there a lot more than you would expect and they all make their mark and you know when when some of them come up like Promare because I'm just watching the gif as the dragon goes round and around and around mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> to make it stamp in its aesthetics but yeah no. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed listening to us talk about the anime in which we have bonded with the aesthetics. Let us know if there are particularly any anime that whose aesthetics has just really, really popped out to you that you absolutely adore. 
And um, yeah, I think that's basically it for today. So I hope you will be with us next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye.